Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of our Nicholas Nickleby mini review series. We are now five episodes into this adventure uh, uh, of Mr. Nickleby. So we are going to be continuing the tale. We are now officially into part two of this play. We have wrapped part one, and now we are into part two. So uh, joining me, as always, is my co-producer of all things The Cup, uh, wonderful dramaturg, uh, literary manager of, of uh, Cup of Hemlock. It is Mr. Ryan Barakovich. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Mac. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Can't really complain. Uh, I'm excited that we're, now, that, that we're now into part two. I'm a little uh, uneven about this episode, but overall, mm, very interesting. interesting experience. Very interesting experience. Uh, and what is in your cup today? Uh, so I have orange Pico tea, big yes. shocker, but it's in a different mug than usual. Ooh. It's uh, This was a lovely Valentine's Day present from my wonderful partner. And uh -huh. it's uh, from Over the Garden Wall, which is my favorite miniseries. But it's uh, ah. Greg's teapot hat and it says, ain't that just the way? So Love that. fans of Over the Garden Wall, this is for you. That's for you. Uh, and I am drinking from, oh, it's really hot. It's like freshly brewed. Oh. Uh, it is uh, a cup of Earl Grey sipping from my The Cup Cup. Classic. So, there we go. So, Ryan, let's kick off because now we started part two. Uh, where do we leave off last time and uh, what happens in this episode? Right. So uh, we don't need to dwell on the recap so much because this episode actually begins with a recap. It's true. It's uh, we get our big act three and the story so the far. Story so it, far. Yeah, it's interesting that for us, this is episode five, but mm -hmm. it's the beginning of play two and it's mm -hmm. act three of the whole yeah. sweep of things. So try to keep those numbers straight in your head. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, the main kind of big events from the previous episode that are worth recapping is in the Nicholas and Smike story. They're mm -hmm. kind of getting on nicely in their new theater world. Yep, with the, uh, we had, yeah, with the Crumbles. Yeah, with the Crumbles. They uh, had a very uh, interesting production of Romeo and Juliet, to say the least, was yeah. <laughs> what we ended the last episode and play number one on. Uh, mm -hmm. The happy version where it turns out everyone but Tybalt is a-okay by the end. <laughs> um, Screw that Tybalt guy. Yeah, and uh, Nicholas is taking a shine to Mrs. Uh, I don't know, how she, how did she pronounce her name? Mrs. Snibble, Miss Snivellici, or one of yes. the actresses in the company. Yeah. Kind of like and, the, the main actress of the company. Yeah, played by the same performer who played Fanny in the earlier yeah. episodes. So that's an interesting double casting choice. Yes. And something that I did really like about the little recap that we got at the beginning of this episode uh, that we've seen versions of this type of recap before is that the actors don't have enough time to change costumes between their different characters while doing the recap. Yeah. So it actually does put more of a spotlight on who's doubling as who when the costumes might otherwise hide it. Yes. Yeah. Just like um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who plays yeah. John and then also. Yeah. Bob, Bob Peck. Like, yeah. Who Bob plays Peck. Mr. Hawks. Yeah. Yes. We'll talk about Mr. Hawks. Don't you worry. Um, All right. So, yeah. So that's where we left off with Nicholas. It was the last episode was kind of uneventful for Nicholas's story because mm -hmm. he's sort of just about him getting on nicely in the new theater troupe. Um, yeah. Uh, Kate, on the other hand, has uh, some. Some stuff went down in the last episode that uh, mm -hmm. Ralph, Uncle Ralph, invited her to this mm -hmm. real bros party so she can 
be an object of desire for all of his creepy business He's buddies. Pimping her out, basically. Yeah, that's essentially, and she calls him out on it in this episode, but we'll get to that. Yeah, um, yeah. the last episode she gets accosted. Yeah, she gets accosted by Mr. Hawks and, mm-hmm. it, and you know, this all these sleazy, you know, business associates of her uncle. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and where we left off with that storyline last episode is uh, Ralph might seem to be starting to take a shine to uh, yeah. poor Kate, which yeah. is very creepy. And we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, yeah. But in this episode, episode five... Uh, so we'll kind of just go through it a little beat by beat, scene by scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we begin uh, with the theater troupe and mm-hmm. uh, the company is uh, angry at Nicholas, to say the least, at the fact that he's, you know, the new upstart in the company and he's getting all the good roles and that the crumbles. Well, he's giving the himself a lot of good roles. <laughs> That's true. Because he's writing the pieces. So, so basically he's writing the one guy out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that one other actor in the company who usually got the lead parts uh, is very frustrated with Nicholas. And he says that he's going to what's the word he used? Pull his nose. Yeah, pull his nose. <laughs> so, in other words, you know, they're going to get into a bit of a scrap. He's going to pull yeah. his nose. So fisticuffs. Little fisticuffs, yes. So just as they're preparing for that and he's about to pull his nose, Nicholas just, bam, socks him in the <laughs> face like he did to Mr. Squeers all the way back yeah. in episode two. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Nicholas is the kind of guy who just solves his problems with his fists. Yeah. <laughs> and that pulls, I don't... No, pulls literal punches. <laughs> yeah, pulls no punches. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, that conflict gets resolved pretty easily, even though the whole troop seemed to be more or less on other guys side with one punch. Nicholas wins him over because he's basically a bully. I, yeah. Well, I, he I, breaks the guy's walking stick. It's. Yeah, he's very aggressive. He's very aggressive. And I feel like, again, we've talked about this kind of thing before, is that when Nicholas exhibits these kind of harmful behaviors, mm-hmm. I, I can't tell if we're supposed to be on his side. Mm. For, like, I feel like I'm not really, but like, I, it seems to me like the production, and I don't know if it's the same yeah. this way in the book, but the production seems to want us to be like, ah, good yeah. job, Nicholas, but... And it's one yeah, thing in the book. It's yeah. In the book, it's very clear that we are supposed to support Nicholas. It's yeah. kind of like Cyrano, where if you read Cyrano, it's very obvious that the writer wants you to identify with Cyrano. But when you watch Nicholas's actions here, it's like I don't know if I fully support you. Like Mr. Squeers, yes, obviously yes. he was abusive. It's one thing when someone's beating someone to possibly near death, <laughs> yeah. versus just I. Yeah. Versus someone was just like, I'm mad that you're taking away my job and I'm going to give you a very kind of like harmless little tug on your nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, weird that our protagonist, you know, is kind of the bully in the situation here. Yeah. Anyway, but it, crowd goes wild. Good job, Nicholas. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Mr. Crummles then gives them a little kind of a somber speech about carrying on and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Smike says outcast and Nicholas says no not anymore because I guess they are pretty content in their home they are yeah, I mean, they're the doing theater. well they're getting paid like they can't really complain yeah and then before we kind of leave this scene uh, <laughs> Nicholas seems down and when Smike kind of queries about what's wrong Nicholas is all like I'm thinking about my true enemy and the dangers that he's putting my mother and sister in and the enemy is of course Uncle Ralph Nickleby and Smike says oh yes that's 
the name I'll never forget. And they have this weird <laughs> moment about <laughs> their shared enemy. <laughs> set up. <laughs> set up. Although, based on what we've seen so far, I can't imagine what Smike has against Ralph specifically. Perhaps that might come into fruition later. It's Maybe. weird that Nicholas doesn't question that because I think as far as we've seen, Smike and Ralph haven't met, or at least not on stage. They have not met on stage yet. Yes. Smike so, was not with Nickleby when he was getting sent away, so. Yeah. So anyway, that the scene at the troop ends with, uh, you know, Mrs. Snevelici's. Yes. I'm just, I, I, in my notes, I kept writing her as Mrs. Miss Snev. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what her whole name is. <laughs> Mrs. Snevelici, Snev. yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Snev, uh, you know, Nicholas walks up to her and wants to escort her home because he's real taking a liking to her. And yep. Smike has this moment where he seems jealous. It's hard to tell if he's jealous of Nicholas for having a girl or jealous of Mrs. Snev for taking away <laughs> Nicholas for a moment. Yeah. So he very questionable her, moment for, for Smike here. Yeah, so, so Smike just grabs her friend by the arm and then off they go to <laughs> consent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Anywho, so that's our kind of first little, I think it's like less than 10 minutes total. Yeah, or, first vignette. Of, first of, little uh, vignette of, with yeah. Nicholas. And then this becomes a real Kate episode for most of it. It uh, does. Kate takes up like two thirds of it. And then we like, very quickly cut back to Nicholas yeah, at the end again. Yeah, it's like only 13 minutes at the end. Mm -hmm. That's like yeah. with Nicholas. So the big bulk of this episode is with Kate. Yeah. And so Which it starts. Nice, she got cut out of episode four. Yeah, well, we, we've talked about the episode four. Oh, she no, was in three. Quite a, episode three. It was two or three. There was like at one. There was one episode that really only featured her briefly yeah. to remind you that she exists. It might have been three. I think, it's, um, I think it's a three because four is the finale of act. Yeah, well, part one. Big, big stuff, yeah. as we just described, happened to her. Yeah, and yeah four, so I think so. it is episode three because she because she she gets to set up an episode two. So yeah, episode three is a yeah. So it's the, it's, it's the reverse we're getting now. It's nice that we're kind of, yeah, spending more time with Kate's story. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so it begins with her in the millinery. <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, at the end of the day. Haha. <laughs> um, and yeah, so these two uh, dapper gentlemen show up and they've, they're repo. <laughs> they're repo men, essentially. And they're yes. coming to uh, essentially collect debts that the Mantellinis... Mantellini, Mantinelli, yeah. which, whichever one. Again, yeah, I write down one. abbreviations yeah. for all their names in my notes, yeah. and then I can never remember. Which I one say it it's Mantellini. I think it is Mantellini. Yeah. So, yeah, so the Mantellinis owe a lot of money. We don't know to whom yet, but we find mm. out later in the episode. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so these repo men are coming to take everything. And, yeah, Mrs. Mantel Mantellini is crying and so sad, and she calls for Mr. Mantellini, who takes it way too far in his reaction he goes he gets very suicidal yeah well in in a way that like the the sound design seems to think is hilarious because like you know he's running all over the place raving like a madman going on the balcony he kisses an audience member right yeah. on the lips which speaking it of shows consent, you the expanse of the set the fact that he is able to go run run the boards on the balcony yeah like, but like on the subject of consent, maybe he shouldn't just kiss a random audience member right on the lips. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Definitely that can be uh, that that definitely is problematic. And also just the fact that once again you're making light of a very serious well, yeah, situation so. here that this is a man who's wanting who is clearly in a um in, in under mental duress. He's running well, around with scissors wanting to kill him. Or may, I don't know, like maybe this is a debate about whether the character actually intends to do well, the way I very flamboyant. 
But yeah, the way I see it, kind of with the way the scene resolves, it seems to me because the second after he's like raving and running and doing all this mm-hmm. stuff and the music seems to think it's the funniest thing ever. Um, once, you know, Mrs. Mantellini kind of says, no, it's not your fault. If anyone's, if it's anyone's fault, it's mine. He instantly gets better. So I kind of read it as he's playing her to, oh, right. This is a hundred percent my fault. Well, I'm going to kill myself. And I, no, 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 it's my fault. Okay, good. We're better. Your fault. Gotcha. Um, I did love the gimmick in, in the shop though of the, bell yes so the pulley thing the fact that it's really just a scarf and they have just to be ringing scarf. the bell up top but yeah and i like that the camera shows that like yes. and kind of creates that illusion and yeah then they do pull the bell multiple times throughout the scene and even though they don't sh- he tries to hang himself on the on, on the rope of the yeah. bell and the, yeah then, then yeah, the bell's ringing as he does it too great effects yeah no very good well done stuff mm-hmm. there um yeah so basically because the they're going bankrupt to the milliner, they had to sack all the staff. And yet, once they were back in good fortunes, they rehired back everyone except Kate. Mm. Which I, I'm unclear about why this is the case, because she was all the customers' favorite employee. So you'd think they'd want to bring her back. Yeah, but Mrs. Nag probably had something to do with that. Of all like the long, fluffy things in this play that are like way mm-hmm. too drawn out and don't need to be like... We get so much time with Mr. Lilyvick, Jesus Christ. Um, but things like, uh, you know, what exactly happened with Kate's job and why they didn't hire her back. Like that could have maybe used some more explanation. But no, in the book, that. it's very brief. In the <laughs> book, it's very brief. It's once again, it's basically you're cutting, copying and pasting yeah. chunks of Dickens text. Right. Which is clear because it is conveyed yeah. through the narration. Yeah. But like maybe that's something that. Edgar would have been wise to flesh out a little bit instead yeah. of so much time with the Lily Vicks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the only thing I will say is Miss Snags does play a bit more of a role in okay. ensuring that Kate does not come back. Okay, like up to the point where we are now, yeah. or are you talking about things that happen in the future uh, too? No, no, no. Like up the situation of her getting okay. out of the, get, getting away from the Mussolinis. Miss Miss Nag, I think, I think, yeah, that's the storekeeper, right? The one yeah. that's really against her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, she is. Um, Yes, she's actively lobbying to get rid of her in the book. So it's very clear that, oh, she probably had some hand as the head shopkeeper of, yeah. of like who she gets to rehire and who doesn't like, get the... But the that's a back. scene I might have liked to actually see. Yes. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's yes. weird, but kind of... And like, sure, maybe it is there's precedent in Dickens yeah. for this is fleshed out, so this gets yeah. adapted and fleshed out, this isn't fleshed yeah. out. But yeah, yeah. I think... After, yeah, Kate is no longer hired back, we cut back to those scoundrelly fellas who were at Uncle Ralph's row party. And the young one, yep, that's what we're looking at right here. So Lord yep. Frederick, I, he has like a hard to pronounce last name. So I'll one, just, yeah. yeah, I'll just call him Lord Freddy, the young one. Yep. Yes. He really wants to see Kate again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Hawk, the elder rapier one from the, the party, uh, yes. he... He gets on Lord Frederick's good graces by pretending that, you know, when he was alone with Kate, he talked up Lord Frederick so much and that, oh, she'd probably very much like to see him. And which we obviously know to have not been true, but, you know, dramatic irony. Um, yeah. So uh, the two of them are planning on going over to ask Ralph for her address so they can have another look at her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so creepy, creepy dudes. And then before we do see them showing up at Uncle Ralph's, we have a brief little interlude with Kate and Mama Nickleby mm-hmm. are off to find a new job and a yeah. new home. <laughs> and yeah. and they immediately find one. So the Winterlies hire Kate pretty much on the spot. 
Yeah. And Mama Nickleby's already scheming about, well, this sickly lady probably doesn't have much time left on this earth. So perhaps the the handsome rich widower will immediately marry my daughter right after. <laughs> and Kate doesn't want to hear about it, yeah. but she's just happy for the new job. Yes. Um, anyway, we follow up with Ralph in his office mm-hmm. and Mr. Hawks and Lord Frederick show up uh, mm-hmm. with their other two friends yeah. uh, whose names I don't think we are gonna don't bother looking up. No, no they're just there. <laughs> yeah, the two other guys. Um, the foppish gentleman. Yeah, so uh, Lord Frederick really is pressing Ralph to know, oh, where does Kate live? Because he only wants to look at her. Weird that he doesn't think that raises some red flags. Yeah. Uh, Keep in mind, like, we know this just from the previous episode, that Ralph is maybe having some more affection towards Kate than he previously Mm. did. And even though he doesn't address that outright, that might be swaying some of his (laughs) internal turmoil in this moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's considering just telling Lord Frederick, but it's very important that only he know that don't spread it to the boys. And of course, yeah. <laughs> we know that that secret won't necessarily stay safe. But before Ralph can even convey this information, uh, who happens to show up but his mama Nickleby. And she's so excited <laughs> to tell Ralph that Kate got a job and she's escorting this rich lady to the opera. And mm-hmm. of course, the whole creepy bro posse is overhearing all of this and they're like oh you're kate's mother you look young enough to be her sister there she is this is (laughs) the scene that's the scene so you know so they they flatter her to no end and then they say oh we'll escort you back to your omnibus and basically get exactly what they want without even needing ralph's help (laughs) um so uh ralph is left in a questioning position though he but he resolves up going well i'm acting as a mother here selling off my daughter so that's his excuse of why he's about matchmaking. Yeah. Um, but then just before we leave this scene, mm-hmm. the repo men from earlier show up and mm-hmm. it turns out that it was Ralph who foreclosed on the millinery, yep. <laughs> which is interesting because it isn't addressed directly. But I wonder if that factors into like he knows that Kate's working there. He got her the job. Yeah. But or is it just a matter of nope, they owe me money and this is this is my business because I'm a cold hearted businessman. Like it's in the book it's described as just he's a cold hearted businessman. Yeah, I, and I, I think like, the play frames it that way too. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting because like, you know, given his feelings mm-hmm. toward Kate, like it's weird that that doesn't even cross his mind or kind of yeah. and maybe that says a lot about his character that no matter what he's feeling towards whom business will always come first. Exactly. Money first. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to the, you know, the two foppish fellows who are friends with Mr. Hawks and Lord Frederick are walking Mama Nickleby to her omnibus. Mm -hmm. And they're talking up Mr. Hawks a lot and saying, oh, how much, you know, what a great fella he is that he, you know, he greatly admires Kate Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. when he met her at the party. And they, you know, they talk about how, oh, well, we are actually planning on going to this opera anyway, wink, then... Kate yeah. is going to be out. Would you, Kate's mother, love to be our guest and we can ambush Kate at this opera? So, sit in our box. Sit in our box. And, you know, Mama Nickleby is so enchanted and happy and she immediately agrees. Yeah. And they drop her off on the omnibus, which was like a great scene, like yeah. uh, stage image of the way yes. they created the omnibus. Like I was ready uh, for them to sing something. <laughs> yeah, well, the music kind of hinted that they might, but I'm glad they didn't here. But... <laughs> But just as a moment ago, Mama Nickleby was fantasizing about how, oh, maybe Kate will marry this, you know, soon to be widower that she's Mm -hmm. working for. 
she's immediately, based on the information these two foppish blokes gave her, she's like, oh, perfect, she's going to marry Mr. Hawks because he's so yeah. enchanted by her. Yes. And remember, he tried to rape her in the previous episode. Yeah. So, oh, Mama Nickleby. But Mama Nickleby doesn't know that. She doesn't she's, know that, but... He just knows that Kate's been upset recently. Yes. That she, that she was very ill after she came yes. back from the party. She yes. talks about... Um, yes. So, anyway, then cut to the opera. Great scene transition where they bring the opera stage like on yeah. there and set up the chairs at the box mm-hmm. and they're rotating the chairs as the scene goes on. Yeah. And as the, you know, opera singers are capturing the tone of what's going on mm-hmm. in the boxes, uh, we see, you know, the whole sleazebag crew with Mama Nickleby trying to wave and get Kate's attention while she's there trying to just be a good companion to her lady and they yeah. kind of you know elbow in on her and you know Mr. Hawks is very handsy and Kate does everything extremely she can extremely handsy yeah does everything she can to kind of shoo him away and as far as we could see she's more or less successful but he does yeah. not like taking no for an answer mm-hmm. uh, yeah so uh, yeah, that's that's a real kind of uncomfortable sequence, but really well staged with the opera yes. and the music sort of modulating mm-hmm. what's happening yeah. uh, down below. So then uh, the next scene, uh, we're back at Ralph's office with Mr. Noggs and Kate <laughs> shows up and she confronts Ralph about his friend's conduct mm-hmm. towards her. And he's like, I have no friends, which is like, well, the fellows I met right here. And like, oh, yes, yeah. business friends. Um, yeah. And you know, Kate says kind of surprisingly that you're my only person left, my only friend at hand, possibly in the world, she says to Ralph, which based on everything we've seen, weird that that's kind of her takeaway that she that he's her friend. And based on what we yeah. know is going on in his mind. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Kate's <laughs> um, in a Kate's in a what is it like a pit of snakes, as they say, or something yeah. like that. Like she's or sorry, like a den of snakes. Yeah. He's clearly on a good spot. Yeah, so anyway, Ralph, because again, we know what's going on in his head. He has some inner turmoil about this, but he ultimately decides that he cannot alienate his business partners lest make enemies out of them, and that'll ruin his whole, you know, yeah. house of cards, so to speak. And Kate then kind of comes to the realization and calls him out on, on the spot that, Uncle, you've been selling me. I, weird that she didn't recognize that beforehand, but at least, you know, better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, as she kind of runs away crying, Mr. Nog mm-hmm. sort of meets her in the hall and consoles her and like says, good, yes, cry all here. Don't let him see you cry. But, yeah. you know, you're among your actual friend here. Um, mm-hmm. And then after she leaves, Mr. Nog fantasizes slash mimes punching Ralph. That um, is right out of the book. Okay, I figured it probably was, because it's just like, that's a that's a quirky thing to make up, but then again, Dickens mm. made it up, so... Yes. That <laughs> um, is literally yeah. right out of the book. But it definitely fits his character. Uh, mm-hmm. The kind of, like, you know, cowardly lion type that he is. Yes. Like, you know, I did miss the knuckles, though. I, I, I did miss him doing the <laughs> knuckle oh, well. crack. They set that up in the in part one that he does that. Uh, yeah. When he, when, would it have when killed him to crack his knuckles once before mime boxing? Them? Right? That would have been a great moment to do that. Either but way. then after he does that, he immediately sits down like, I have to write a letter to Nicholas. Yes. And while we that's don't get to... Who, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's who... We know the letter's going to... Kate right. does not know who... who, who, uh, who well, yeah, Kate to. is gone by the time he does yeah. that. Uh, so, yes. yeah, Kate isn't aware that this letter is being written, but... Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah, we can, we know who else 
Mr. Yeah. Dog doesn't really have other friends. He has <laughs> people whose salons he gets invited to yeah. because he's such a good bartender, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he makes good punch. <laughs> makes good and punch. Say, and saves babies and women. Yes. Um, so yeah, so that's the end of our kind of long Kate interlude. And then yeah. with 13 minutes left to go in the episode, we return back to Nicholas and the troop. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a bit of like a celebration-esque party going on mm-hmm. among the company. And... Yeah. Uh, Miss Niv's father and mother are there. And yeah. well, it's funny because when this scene first started, Nicholas was inquiring about Mr. Sniv. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought for sure, oh, she's married. Yeah. <laughs> because like, well, yeah, he's sure he's much older than her. But, you know, yeah. in this time with a lot of the characters we've seen, that doesn't. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's her, it's her father who's, uh, you know, this kind of, you know, theater veteran plays all the old soldier types in the plays yeah and he's very taken by nicholas and more mr johnson as they call him yeah um yeah so uh so he meets her parents and then hey mr lilyvick is here because he's back from his honeymoon (laughs) and uh, yeah he and his wife are there and he's you know kind of like ribbing nicholas on about how lucky he is that he married the like coolest hottest actress in the company or <laughs> from yeah. the jury lane and you know it seems like he's trying to make nicholas jealous and nicholas kind of or at least roger plays it like he's jealous but like yeah. weird like he spent like no time with her it's weird where that's coming from then yes yeah yeah in the book it's a bit more built up that maybe nicholas did oh nicholas clearly has infatuation with both actresses here kind of yeah. like archie with betty and veronica like basically nicholas is infatuated with anyone who isn't fanny is what it comes down to <laughs> poor fanny squares poor fanny um yeah so then uh mr sniv gets up and makes a big hard to even tell if it's drunken or if that's just his demeanor but he makes a big toast to the it's supposed to be drunken yeah but like yeah because we haven't seen a lot of this character sure he's yeah. like kind of bombastic and slurring a bit but it's hard to tell if that's just who he is or if it's because he's drunk um very true so- so he's making a big toast to all the ladies and how he loves all the ladies. And Mr. Lilivik, being, you know, the buttoned up doofus that he is, is like, we're even the married ladies, even my wife. And, you know, being the, you know, big, you know, ass that Mr. Sniv is, he's like, of course, yeah. all the married ladies, especially your wife. And he goes up and he kisses, you know, the new Mrs. Lilivik. Well, before he does that, um, Mr. Lilivik tackles him under the table. Uh, yes that's true okay so yeah i was gonna get to that but you're right i, I got the order out of sequence yeah. like yeah. so yeah mr levick is so mad at this you know the conduct that he yeah he gets into a big fight with mr sniv they're like mm-hmm. you know wrestling under the table mm-hmm. uh but you know mrs Lin- the new mrs levick the actress mm-hmm. you know kind of like calls it to a halt and be like you know he mr sniv has done nothing wrong and that you know yeah. I'm an actress by trade. You can't be mad at everyone for fancying me, can you? Yeah. And then yeah. I'm a celebrity. Know, yeah, I'm a celebrity. Everyone's in love with me. And, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, you're right. This was the in, in the sequence of events. This is yeah. when Mr. Sniff is like, haha, vindicated. And he goes up and kisses Mrs. Lilyvick a few times. And yes. he's also pretty handsy with a lot of the ladies in the company. Yeah. Be- well, he toasts yeah. to all of them. Um, anyway, then uh, one of the elder biddies of the company... Uh, says, oh, Mr. Johnson, i.e. Nicholas, a letter came for you. And so she hands him the letter that is presumably, although it's not confirmed in this episode, it is the one that Mr. Newman Noggs was writing at the end of the previous scene. Yeah. And just as Mr. Sniv is toasting the best goddamn actor in this company, (laughs) Mr. Johnson, 
And everyone's like, speech, speech, speech. And Mr. Johnson gets up in front of everyone and says, sorry, I have to leave immediately. Family and, matters. Well, yes, he doesn't even... I'm sorry, he doesn't even, say family matters. He just says, I have we, to go. Yeah, we know what it's about, but... Yes. Uh, but yeah, so they try to like beg him to stay or ask when he's coming back. He seems pretty sure that he's never coming back, which, you know, never say never, Nicholas. Come on. He's <laughs> um, pretty sure. I mean, the fact that Mrs. Crumble's like trying to get him to stay for another week of yeah. last appearance brought back by popular demand. Well, and the way she was like winking, blinking at him. It seemed like <laughs> she was implying that if you stay, there's some sexual favors in store for you. This is Crumble. This is Crumble, you sly mates. So, but no, he insists he has to leave and he has like a tearful goodbye to all the kind of random nameless people in the company who we barely know. Yeah. But... <laughs> uh he is friends with the one guy though the one the one that tried to take him on the nose yes and they have like a nice kind of handshake like mutual respect for each other even though that guy should still be pissed at him like because not not only does nicholas take all the good roles that's still not resolved well maybe now that nicholas is leaving he's like more cool with it but like yeah good freaking riddance (laughs) um but yeah uh oh also that same biddy who gave him the letter gets up and she seems super drunk, and she's like, song for Mr. Johnson. And then she sings this, like, beautiful opera <laughs> number. Like, it's almost <laughs> like, which, which uh, Will Ferrell movie was it? Was it Talladega Nights, where that was, like, a thing where, like, you don't expect him to get up and sing this beautiful opera song? Like, No, Step Brothers. It's Step was Brothers. Was it Step Brothers? Okay, it's, it's, it was one of those, it's like, Step Brothers at the end, uh, the Catalina Wine Mixer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so the like, Halloween of wine mix. So yeah, it kind of brought back those comedy vibes. And then as <laughs> Nicholas and Smike are getting on their way, he's it's unclear if he's gonna say goodbye to Mrs. Snoo. They sort of make eye contact as he's grabbing yeah. his hat, but then they have a hug and she's crying, and then Nicholas and Smike are back on their way. Thus ends the episode. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so yeah, that's oh. the recap. <laughs> That is the recap, indeed. I mean, I will say this is once again very faithful to the book. There is yeah, let's a start little with the bit, adaptation check yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit that go, goes on with Nicholas, some side stuff that they've cut, or maybe just like they did with the Kate thing, where they rearrange some of the plot points to like keep the focus on one, which makes sense because because I can't see them doing a good job of cutting back and forth in this episode. Like Kate's story flows better when it's just. Her and Nicholas bookends each like ends her her section. See, I think the reason why I would agree with that is like it doesn't make sense to kind of yeah. cut back and forth is because there really wasn't a lot of Nicholas content in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the kind of big event that he does experience is receiving the letter and deciding he has to leave. Yes, that only makes sense after all of that yes. has happened to Kate. So yeah, yeah. Now that doesn't mean that I don't think there could have been a way depending on what plot is coming in the next episode, that some of that could have been in this episode and cut into yeah. cut with Kate stuff. Yeah. But I, I do think, yeah, this is, this is the Kate episode. Like, I don't know if this there's going to the be Kate more episode. Kate episodes coming up. Hopefully our two protagonists are going to finally converge soon. If he's heading back to London, but uh, I will, I will not spoil. Yeah. Don't spoil it. We're yeah. kind of taking this yeah. as it comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, overall, very accurate. I mean, Mrs. Witcherly is very, I mean, they describe her in the book as like a hypochondriac yeah. type character. So it is like, like that is very, uh, that is there. Uh, the man, the, 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 the Manderly is in the fact that he is suicidal and he's attempted multiple times to, <laughs> like, every time something bad happens, apparently this is his go to move of I'm going to kill myself. So there's that. 
Um, I did think we were going to finally get the squeers back in the story because yeah. we know they're coming. That's not well, a spoiler. We saw again, them at the I, end of Act One. I uh, so part here's one, the... and I was ready for them to show up in this episode, but they didn't show up, and I was like, oh. See, but I, I guess you have to get back to London for that to happen. See, I don't think I do think it is. Again, I'm not faulting you for spoiling yeah. this, but I yeah. I don't think based on like me going in having not yeah. read the book, based on the information we've been given, just by the fact that they showed up in the yeah. kind of not one day more. Sequence. Yeah. <laughs> I, to me, that doesn't tell me that they're definitely coming back. That's just we get yeah. the whole cast back on stage. Yeah. Um, like, I would have been very surprised if they didn't come back just because they got so much set up. But based on the way like this, this whole show and by extension, I assume the book is so episodic, yeah. so many yes. characters, so many. Like, I'm sure we're probably never going to see that parliamentarian guy again that Nicholas had a job interview with. Like, no. Oh, no, no, no. He's long gone. That's just like yeah. a cameo. One well, and that's, but that's the thing, though. Like, I wouldn't, yeah. as much as I would think it would be weird if the squares didn't show up again, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Mm-hmm. And based on just, you know, hey, they happen to be on stage during this non-diegetic music number. <laughs> I, I don't think that tells us for sure that they are coming back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to me, it wasn't a surprise to not see yeah. him in this episode. Hopefully, me knowing maybe. the plot a bit more, I was, I was looking forward to to that. But I mean, mind you, that being said, like, well, it was still a very good episode. I would rank this among the higher of the episodes. Yeah. Do you want to do your sure. kind of official? Yeah. Ranking yeah. I mean, I mean, so I can't remember what I had the last time. I think no, episode two is still very strong for me. It's a really good, solid episode. Uh, then. I would go, I think this one, episode... Um, so this is your number two spot? Yeah. yeah, number two. So it would go... So two, five. Two, five, and then I think one, mm-hmm. and then four, and then three. Three Being, is your worst. Interesting. Yeah, so, which is the Nicholas-centric one where they're all on their journey. Yeah, see, for me... Uh, so like last episode, I said that the, the last one was currently yeah. at the bottom of my list. And I think yeah. that's still the case. Yeah. So for me, it's still, I agree, two has been the strongest so far, but that's the big punch episode. Of course, that's going to yes. be the strong one. Yeah. Then I would, uh, tough. I would, uh, yeah, I would probably, I would agree that this is the number two. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a solid episode that is self-contained, but also has a lot of good setup for, yeah. The future. I would I would almost say to me, I know you put it as your last one, but I think this one's maybe tied with three in my mind, which mm. well they're very pre- similar. Like they're they are there. They, the they zero in on one of our main yeah. characters, just this time it's the different character, and they yeah. kind of to me, we'll we'll talk about this more in our head as this fair yeah. as episodic standalone unit, but yeah. like I to me this one kind of works the same way like yeah. as three, mm-hmm. so I was sort of happy with. But yeah, I, w- I think this one gets a slight edge. So for me, it's two, yes. five, three, one, four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there anybody in the cast you want to shout out in this episode? Was there anybody that stood out to you this time around? I I didn't write down her name, but just based on what we commented on a moment ago, that Biddy at the end who sings the song. Oh, I have her name right here. It's <laughs> yeah. Rose Hill and her Rose character. Hill. Oh, she. who did she play before? That Mrs. LaCreevy. Okay, yes. She plays Mrs. Oh, and I've shouted her out in the past before. So like, damn, she's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that character is Mrs. Uh, is Mrs. Uh, Grundon. Mrs. I, Grundon. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so yeah, cool Mrs. Grundon. Yeah. Again, yeah, that and Rose Hill knocking mm-hmm. it out of the park and all your characters. You're great. <laughs> um, she is. She is. 
Uh, I will say for me, my shout out this episode goes to Jane Dows, who uh, we've seen, she's been in every episode uh, as Mama Nickleby. But this was kind of the first time we actually got anything from her besides, oh, my daughter, oh, my son. The fact Mm -hmm. that she actually had a bit of a plot this episode and just like her machinations and her daydreaming and and just her fast talking she does. Like it, it was just so perfect of who that character is that she's clearly a society woman who's fallen from society and who is now skiing her way yeah, back also, up the ladder. But also with that kind of like, you know, country na- naivete yes. like that they kind of sort of keep, you know, being all of the Rick Nickleby's, but Ralph sort of characterizes yep. them that sure they're yep. classy and proper, but they're, they don't know how the country work. proper. Yeah, yeah. They don't they're know how cities, things work in London. Yeah. yeah. They're not, they're not city folk. Yeah. And, and I, what I do like about her in this episode is, and it, it's just, it's so funny to me that like Kate gets a job and she's so excited that she runs to Ralph to tell him. Yeah. And like, and it's not because she and Ralph are like such good friends or close. Like sure. <laughs> he might be her one friend in this world yeah. just because he's yeah. supporting them financially. Yeah. But I just like I think that's such a revealing character moment. <clears throat> yes, with her that she's like I gotta tell someone who's the one guy I know, Ralph, Ralph, <laughs> my brother-in-law. Yeah, um, so, and, and yeah, I do like her kind of scheming and plots about the various yeah. you know rich yeah. fellas that Kate yes. might wind up marrying. Even though, uh oh, this is gonna like the fact that she's yeah. favoring Mister Hawks is a big yeah. red flag. So it is, it is. Yikes. But yeah, just yeah, yeah, just the fact that you like once again it. People don't realize how tough it is to play a fast talker mm-hmm. on stage and still being able to be understandable. It's like I can talk about it right now to you, but like you wouldn't know half things I just said to you. But like I that she was ha- really clear. Good job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I try. It's all my tongue twisters growing up. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it's it's a tough trick to be able to get that fast talking, pick a little rhythm going that she does, and the fact that in the job interview she does it. And like, and half the time you're like, oh no, she's going to screw this up for Kate with like her fast talking was clearly annoying. This is a uh, Witterly. Um, but no, like she was just great. This episode. the fact that she's always been kind of there in the background, but now she gets to come and have a bit of her own machinations and own moment. Like just the fact that she was a, uh, described as a, uh, silently crying on, uh, on the bus, on the omnibus. As she daydreamed, it was like just so. She's just such a what, what, wonderful little old mom. It was great. All right, do you want to do some? Of, to you. Yeah, do you want to do some of our other check-ins? How, yes, how do we let's feel do about our the Les Mis slash other musicals. Well, <laughs> I mean, there wasn't too much more to add uh, to this. Um, I mean, uh, Ralph is still very much uh, doing a weird mix of Judge Turpin, but I would say now also doing a bit of Tenardier with the whole concept of dog-eat-dog. Like it's that just cold, mm-hmm. regimented thing of I'll get what I want one way or another. Like It's just a world where the dog eats the dog, and hey, Kate is out there for me to pimp her out. Like, say la vie. That's life. I mean, I was sad that the... I did Because I, I didn't remember how Kate gets out of the, the, like, um, the, the Maitlenese, but like, because we've been comparing that stuff so much lame is, I was expecting a bigger firing yeah. moment, but it was like, oh no, she just didn't get hired back, and I was like, oh. Yeah, again, that's, that's a that's thing that we, I felt yeah. needed more stage time to yes. breathe, but now yes. we gotta check in with the Lily Vicks. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the Lily Vicks, not much there with them, no, no real musical tie there. I mean, uh, I mean, just the set was a very lame museum. I mean, if you look at the original designs. Yeah, but the it's the same, show. more or less the same set. We well, it's John Kerr. Yeah. Or, or, sorry, uh, John Napier. 
Yeah. Who, who's doing yeah, this stuff. I, like the bridge at the end is like almost directly from the look down Paris mm-hmm. set where it's two columns of rubble, basically, and you got a bridge going across that people can walk across there. So I was like, oh, there's a cool lame Mizzy set piece they dragged over. Um, I mean, the show within the show. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I was there. Uh, I mean, there's all types of musicals that do a show within a show. That was kind of very Kiss Me Kate ish in a way where, like, once again, you have Kate being manhandled backstage by the two mobsters, while on stage you have Bianca doing her Tom, um, uh, Tom Harrier dick number. So, like, and I've seen it done where they do mirror them, and sometimes they don't, depends on how the director wants to do it. But it's that thing of, once again, being manhandled while another number is basically doing the same thing. So there's a little bit of Kiss Me Kate. And they're, but yeah, not too much lame Mizzy stuff in this episode. It was more yeah. and like, other like little I, fun musical references you can pick up. Like like I said last time, because yeah. last episode was was the one when you first expanded the lame Miz check-in into the full <laughs> musical canon yeah. check-in. And yeah. like I I find to me that's less compelling because yes. what I, I think I said this last time, but yeah. what I find interesting about the lame Miz check-in is that we know it's the same team and this team. is a project they did shortly before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this dramaturgically we can use this as a prism yeah. through which we can examine yes. their decisions and their evolution yeah. into something like Les Mis, but yeah. just to be like, yep, other musicals exist and this is kind of like I mean, them. I mean, Sweeney Todd is the one I would say is closest well, but and also just the fact that like it came out literally early 80s. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, Sweeney Todd, I think, was late 70s on Broadway and then it came to the West End in the early 80s for a very brief run. But like the set, the costumes, if you look at that original production, once again, eerily similar. So maybe they were stealing some of the Hal Prince yeah. uh, inspirations there. I mean, and also the fact that these stories were written like at the same time. So like Ralph and yeah. Judge Tur- Turpin, like there is some clear. No, I, I'm not saying that that's yeah. not there. I just I'm like, yeah. OK, and uh, like <laughs> at least yeah. with Les Mis, I understand like, OK, yes, because the same team yeah. is tr- carrying over yes. these ideas and what have they evolve from one into the other yeah. but i mean yeah i'm, I'm sure. trying to think i mean kate wise since this was a kate, bit of a kate episode if uh, kate is the fantine here yeah. then nicholas kind of you know leaving yeah, the have, troop to go rescue her yes kind of that there's our valjean fantine sort of uh, yes yeah no that is true that dynamic. is very yeah. yeah that is very very true i mean once again this is like a bit more fun than getting manhandled in her prostitution section of the story we're seeing we're seeing the descent of this character who's clearly going through some horrible horrible things. I mean, I'm surprised she hasn't sold her hair yet. I mean, she's got I'd some be very beautiful surprised curly if she locks. Does. Well, it was a thing you could do back then. I, I know so, it was, but like <laughs> yeah. that would be a little too on the nose, I think. Yes. Unless you yes. know something about the book that I don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I can tell you now, she does not sell her hair in the book. Okay, so I feel like that's enough for the lamest check-in. Yeah. Yeah. How about our Smike check-in? <laughs> well, he was there. I mean, once again, just seeing the fact that the actor really morphs into this Quasimodo mm-hmm. um, uh, Igor assistant character just made me even more frustrated that i'm like why did you choose this way of well, doing yeah, this character just so like nothing like, is them down a little bit so nothing's yeah. changed i know we're watching it week after week yeah. after week so it feels really yeah. drawn out but like yeah. in two nights of theater you'd kind of yeah you'd still be frustrated yes. by it but you make yeah. peace with it like this is just yes. what it is but yeah i think we early on we had hopes that it might kind of he would come into his own and yeah. but that also if they are playing him as some kind of disabled that 
kind of is also a bad lesson of that like oh you were just you know you you you're cured by the power of friendship when like yeah that's not how disabilities work Um, no so i i will say smike wasn't very prominent in this episode he well one it wasn't a very prominent nicholas episode and smike is entirely he had like a few key moments like the one early on where they kind of talk about how ralph Mm -hmm. is their common enemy and again Mm -hmm. Based on what we've seen so far, we're not quite sure why or what Smike knows about Ralph. Shut up. <laughs> I, yeah, again, again, let's not spoil things for yeah. like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, but yeah, and then Smike kind of, you know, he has his. We talked about his like seemingly jealousy moment, but again, I don't yes. know what to make of that. Yeah, I don't, uh, once again, like because the actor is playing him with such a disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 like it's it's tough to figure out like like his face because he doesn't he's not very expressive as the character mm-hmm. it's it's very stoic and this is the one face I can make and kind of maintain throughout the show yeah. which then unfortunately affects the fact that like we don't know what he is feeling here and the fact that that's never followed up on that he just drags a woman off stage where it's like what are they <laughs> saying about someone like 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 somebody who's who's like Smike who has some type of disability just grabbing a woman and dragging her away. Yeah. And like, yeah, now like the that, we didn't yeah. get anything from that woman's yeah. perspective. We don't even know who yeah. she is or what her name is. She's probably one of the actresses we've met in the company, but yes. like there's so many of them. But yeah, yeah like <laughs> I, I'm glad we we didn't at least have her like scream and like hit him or like yeah. so it, she seems like you know, she seems to have been at least a little okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't imagine they went home together and had a wild no. night, but like no, 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 uh, no, no, no. but she didn't mind having uh, yeah, somebody who escort her, her home. Yeah. yeah. So uh yeah, and then the only yeah. other smike moment we get is just him and Nicholas heading out back yes. on the road. And like I get doesn't want to leave. well i I know and that's the thing like i get that nicholas is his caretaker and he kind of but like yeah it's weird that smike just kind of has to go along with whatever he could continue he could you know they were just talking about how they're not outcasts anymore they have a home with this company and it would have been nice if nicholas gave him the choice to stay and have smike decide no you are my home i go with you but no nicholas is just like come on smike we're going like (laughs) (laughs) come um, on smikey let's go yeah so up the bridge (laughs) So yeah, like that kind of like a oh man, <laughs> I, yeah. I you know, and it, it to me it just kind of piles up on more and more of denying Smike his humanity and his autonomy, yes. like as a character, as a person, he just goes where his one good friend tells him to. Yes, his and Dr. Like, Frankenstein goes. Well, yeah, and like I I said in the last episode, because Smike kind of corpsed on stage as the apothecary, mm-hmm. that I thought, oh man. I could envision, but it appears I was wrong, but I thought where this was going is that the company wanted to get rid of Smike and Nicholas would stick by his friend and that's why they would get back on the road. But right. no, the, everyone loves both of them. They're great. Um, especially and, Mrs. Crummel. <laughs> yes, especially Mrs. Crummel. Um, <laughs> but but no, they, they just get a disturbing letter about Kate's situation and no, they gotta go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's... Yes. Uh other check-in. scar check-in yeah do you, uh, I, I don't have anything to say about that i don't know well i mean i thought they'd gotten rid of it but it, there's a few close-ups where you can see now it is really fading so like i'm enjoying this yeah makeup which, work of, of the show that they are actually progressively showing time through the which scar healing actually makes sense that this because this is the beginning of play two mm-hmm. so that they have like if not the whole day between the showings or the yeah. whole matinee to evening they have time yeah. to really like whereas yeah it's it's almost more impressive when they have it slowly diminishing between the scenes, yes. but this 
this makes sense as the place for it to happen. And it's, yeah. sure, a cool attention to detail that they did. It is. I mean, once again, I'm still expecting that scarred cheek to come back <laughs> somewhere where, where either Mr. Squeers or Ralph or somebody goes, the man with a scar on his cheek. And Nicholas can't hide that <laughs> wound. That's all, yeah, that, very that melodramatic. <laughs> yes. Like it's a very uh, classic trip story, novella trip of the one like or like the man with the mole. Yeah. Ah, yes, him. <laughs> yeah. Or the guy with six fingers. Like you yes. can't really hide that. <laughs> no. Nope. Tuck them into your gloves, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh another check-in that we haven't really like fleshed out this one a lot unless you had more about the scar or no nope, the scar it, but... is just there it's still i'm still tracking it to see if it's gonna show up anywhere else in, yeah. in the story or if it's just gonna be a piece of makeup that they did a really good job on yeah so this came up two episodes ago when they first joined the theater troupe mm-hmm. um i wanted to talk about the meta theatricality check-in yes um because we, we didn't really talk about this in the last episode even though there was a lot of theater going on Mm-hmm. You know, in the staging of R and J. Yeah. But I feel like this might be the last we see of the Crummels and their troop. I don't don't say one way or the other if they are coming back. Maybe they okay. will. Just with the episodic nature of this. Once mm-hmm. again, I wouldn't be surprised if nope, that's just it for them. Um yeah. but yeah, hopefully we see them again because there's a lot of great characters in that bunch, especially yes. the Crummels as themselves. Or the yeah. crumbly? <laughs> What's the plural of crumble? <laughs> um, the crumblies. <laughs> the crumblies. Um but yeah, so, but because we might be kind of diverting our attention away from the theatricality subplot, I want to, yeah. I feel like this is as good a time as any to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned a few episodes ago, um, this book, The Theater Fictions in Britain uh, by Graham yes. Wolf. It's, yeah, I, I talked about this one with ML Rio in the interview I did with her yeah. uh, mm-hmm. too. And uh, yeah, and so he talks briefly uh nicholas nickleby isn't one of his main case studies in here but he does talk about just various novels with theatrical Mm -hmm. subplots and the dialogue that is had between novels and the stage at the various time periods in british history yeah and um he has an interesting take on uh nicholas's presence in the crumbles is true and Mm -hmm. that uh because nicholas is the big star that everybody loves and he's not a trained actor. He's like barely even heard of theater coming yeah. into this. Like, and they sort of make that clear that, you know, he just kind of waltzes in and is suddenly the best at everything. Mary <laughs> Sue, am I right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the kind of Wolf's point in the book is that this is Dickens as the novelist diminishing the art of theater and the art of yeah. acting in particular mm-hmm. that you know literally anyone can just waltz on the sh- off the street and be the best at it because there isn't really any skill no training no <laughs> like practice to yeah. it and you can translate a french play get up there on stage yeah you can do it all no problem even smike can do it so thinking about this it's sort of interesting to me in an adaptation of this arguably anti-theatrical novel that mm-hmm. sort of makes it makes a farce out of all these theater people yes. and like, you know, kind of denigrates the work they do yeah. and says that they're all just a bunch of hacks, which Dickens <laughs> certainly, as we've discussed before, had good reason to think of them as such. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, and maybe you have thoughts about this. How do you feel like this anti-theatricality or this anti-theatrical undercurrent is communicated in the stage version? Do you think it's diminished less so than it is in the novel? Like, or um, I mean, in the book, it's very clear that Dickens is like the Crumbles are there as a farcical duo, and their troupe is 
meant to be kind of like the rude mechanicals that oh good we we have a water pump and oh look and oh look we have a, a like 19 year old daughter that we basically turned into an alcoholic for the sake of show business and keeping her childlike like certain things like that and mrs crumble hitting on nickleby quite a bit <laughs> um but i i do think they play in the play at least in what we're watching they do play these characters with quite a bit of sincerity like the fact that we have this scene in this episode where um uh, mr crumble has the it goes on i think is i think it's what yeah. he says yeah is that uh, i was meaning to ask you is that taken from the book it is taken from the book like not verbatim okay. but like that bit of dialogue is there in the book it's i read it almost like, like in the book i was like oh that's kind of like a bit of like a shylock like half not a jew's eyes moment where like he is speaking mm-hmm. there but like that is a very clear moment of self-reflection on the crumbles part and i was like is he gonna say like mrs crumble is dying like, well, yeah, going it was taking a bit this? of a like, somber turn there, and I didn't know where yeah. it was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but I do think this, particularly this play, is t- keeping them in a very kind of, yes, comedic in the sense of their boisterous, are they the greatest? No, clearly by the Romeo and Juliet <laughs> production we saw. But they are playing it sincerely. And because the actors are playing it sincerely and truthfully and not hamming it up, like you could. I mean, if you watch the film version with Nathan Lane, it is, uh, he is a very broad, <laughs> funny, but very broad version of Mr. Crummel. Yeah, and I think that is more faithful to the yeah. book, or at least the essence yes. of what the book wants to say about these yes. people and their work. But yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting, and I do like the fact mm-hmm. that put this in the hands of theater people, and you get a very mm-hmm. different impression of these theater yeah. people. Like, yeah, well, yeah, well, especially with the film, like Nathan Lane, like the fact that like, I've shown you the clip of the first time you meet yeah. Nathan Lane, he's sitting in front of like a like the way they shot it, where it's like close up on him but it looks like he's sitting in a grand hall but really that you pull back and it's like yeah, oh he's sitting in, in front of a, a tapestry in <laughs> yeah. the woods on the on a side road and that's kind of where they're at and so it's the fact that like yes the movie does get a much better job of playing them as basically good people but farcically good people where it's like the crumbles do care in both book in stage and film for nicholas but yeah. it's like ah it's okay it's okay like yes yeah. Uh, these, this is just the kind of thing that I'm thinking of. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Dickens obviously didn't care much for theater, but it's yeah, yeah it's interesting trying to reconcile that dissonance when the yeah. theater people are the ones staging the show. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that like uh, we have uh, Mrs. Um, Grund, I think I said her name was. Yeah, the Grund, the Rose Hill character. Yeah, yeah, so Rose Hill character. The fact that like, as you said, like this old bitty drunk lady breaks into beautiful <laughs> song. Yeah. about saying farewell and it's that thing of it's funny but it, she's playing it sincerely yeah which t- which undercuts any comedy that's there because you're like oh and I, actually this is an actual sad moment of friendship that and is. i think that's actually that moment is the perfect metaphor for what mm-hmm. i'm getting at here because mm-hmm. it's like yeah the theater people are silly and they make you laugh yeah. and mm-hmm. you know but you know they can also make you cry and they they yes. are the ones who pack the wallop and sure a novel can make you cry mm-hmm. too but there yeah. is something about the you know yeah. the bodies and the space and the actually like yeah. engaging with humans as the vehicle yeah. for this yeah. artwork well, i think yeah, yeah. yeah especially rose who clearly is a mature member of the company who mm-hmm. i don't know how much longer she lives i think i can tell you actually hold on yeah. like rose she hill lit- if you are still alive and watching we'd love to have you on the show <laughs> yes rose hill please come on the show but uh she uh passed away 2003 at the age of 89 like so she was 89 yeah yeah so she was 89 when she died go back 20 years so she was in her 60s which 
mm-hmm. as we know, unfortunately, in the industry of theater, mature women who are in their 50s and 60s are seeing kind of the end of their time on like on film and on stage, unfortunately. Unless you're Betty White, who somehow at the age of 80 gets a comeback. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> but she's certainly an exception, and it yes, is very yes. much framed as a comeback with her. It wasn't a continuous... Uh, yeah, exactly. You know. Even though she said, I never went away, she unfortunately, Betty White had uh, somewhat faded from pop culture until she did that Snickers commercial and came back and full force with two TV shows and yeah, commercials. And like, and, but you can look at other people like Glenn Close or Meryl yes. Streep, who aren't that old yet, but are certainly, you know... Their, their, career, to the role. their careers are gracefully aging with them, which, yeah. you know, well, is, you can't say exactly. that for most, like, female performers, sadly, is the state yeah. of the industry. Well, I mean, like, look at Julianne Moore, Oscar-winning <laughs> actress, fantastic performer who's in her, I think she, I think she also is in her 50s at this point, I think. Yeah, Julianne, yeah, yeah, uh, Julianne Moore, I'm sorry if you were younger than that, we apologize. But thanks um, for watching. <laughs> but thank you for watching, if you are. Uh, but it's the thing of like, where has she been since her big Oscar win a few years ago? Like, yeah. why isn't she working more? She's a now, solid actress. Like, something I do find also is, you know, if it's not filmed, she could be very likely doing a lot of stage work that we just don't get to see because it yeah. hasn't been filmed or widely publicized. But, yeah. you know, you're, I'm often surprised at like actors who like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen them in a long time. Oh, they've mm-hmm. been doing so much theater work like uh, yeah. on the West End and I just didn't yeah. even know about. Like, so yeah. I think that's more true in the wet and like in, in the West End London theater than over here, where like if somebody like a Julianne Moore was off was to go do theater, we would hear about it in some way, shape or form like. The fact that, yeah. like, you dick it, like, I can Melba Staunton. She yeah. doesn't show up in a lot of film, but in the meantime, she's been basically doing the entire Stephen Sondheim musical theater canon. Well, like, and, and then popping up in The Crown now. Like, and something else, like, you know, I, I'm always kind of, like, surprised, and like, happily surprised with various, like, people who you consider to be character actors in their film careers, like people we've reviewed on this very show, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Kevin Klein certainly, yes. uh, Lucci and Massimati, who has like a pretty yeah. small role on Game of Thrones, and yet he's Salieri yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. on the West and End. And yeah, yeah uh, you know Alfred Molina to think back yeah. to Red. Like, yeah, these people yeah. who are known as character actors on the screen, they wow people in the lead roles on the stage, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know that that's where the art is in yes. many ways. That's where the art. is. So that's my rebuttal to Dickens's anti-theatricality. Yes, yeah, but yeah, but I, I definitely say in in the in the play they are funny, but they are sincere and truthful, which yeah. adds it, which adds a third third dimension to who these characters are. Because in the book they are very two dimensional, like the rude mechanicals, yeah. and you have the dramatic actor. I mean, actually, sorry, I do have one more shout out for a character, and it's Alan Armstrong. This mm-hmm. episode, because he he was playing, I think it's Mr. Wagner or Wagner. Yeah, yeah, I don't didn't get that character's name. Uh, hold on, I got it here. I got it here. Sorry, Mr. Wagstaff. Mr. Wagstaff, who's kind of like the main supporting <laughs> middle-aged actor of the company. But the fact that you kept getting these little cutaways <laughs> to him throughout yeah. the episode, like it's that theatrical thing of he's funny, but there is something truthful to this supporting player guy who's just always they're willing to and, kind of take it on the nose literally this episode <laughs> yeah and that character i think is an interesting foil to squeers too like yes. uh, so like it's yeah it is just Alan armstrong obviously very talented and he is kind yeah. of flexing his range in this role but yes. like uh, but yeah 
So anyway, that's my meta theatricality check in. Love it, uh, love it. Well, we'll I keep think, an eye on it in case in case they come back yeah, or we get if, another if, play within a play opera moment. Yeah, if they come back, great. If yeah. they don't, I'm fine letting this check in die. Like, uh, yeah. Well, we um, did it for we, we did it for the ones where it was most important. Yeah, I think our last check in that we haven't done yet is the and we kind of alluded to this in our mm-hmm. sort of ranking of the episodes. But yes. how does this one fare as a standalone piece of serialized television? A great kickoff to the part two. Mm-hmm. I would say like the the opening is the opening I- intro that they wrote for the film version because that intro is not done on stage. I, I think, think they it, I think what I read is this one did exist because remember they're okay. reminding people right. after like a whole possible like twenty four hours have passed. Right, right. right, right. But they yes. they wrote in a few extras the one the versions of that that we've seen in like episode right. three were added right. for the television version. Got yeah. you. Yes, that would have shown up after intermission of a part. Yeah. One. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I mean. Right from the get-go, that's a, a, the fact that, once again, they were able to really quickly summarize mm-hmm. everything. It was funny, like, the fact we got to see the Thaney fall again. Sure. The fact that Mr. Squeers does a very staged mm-hmm. slap to, to indicate that he is getting slapped by Nicholas. Um, so there's that, which is funny. Uh, and I mean, so right away, like, the, the pacing of this was good. I never felt like this is a dragging episode, no. kind of like episode three, where, like, Nicholas's solo story was... You're much kind of like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> this is kind of just mini adventures upon mini adventures here. I've got, I'm not feeling the build. This one felt naturally building. Like each, like they both played off each other. Like even if we didn't get to see a lot of Nicholas, his story is informed by uh, Kate and what's going to happen and what happened to her in this episode. It, it could like propels him to that. Actually, oh sorry, another Valjean or um, Lindis reference. Valjean gets the letter. From Marius to Cassette at the barricade, and, Mar- and Meljean goes off to join the barricade to go help. We did it. Good job. There's another, <laughs> there, there's another lame is check-in for you. Um, sure. So, I mean, like, overall, great episode. It sets up uh, that Nicholas is now back, going back to London, so we know there's going to be some more family drama that mm-hmm. is heading our way. So, I mean, I think it's a great kind of, I mean, once again, we would be seeing this and we would be, um, there's still a lot more to go. So, I mean, this would be the hour one of part two of part one of that night. So, because I, so there's so much more to go, but like, this is oh, a great of kind of natural ending to the episode of you're ending the, your time that with the Carmel that's been going for three episodes now because we meet them at the end of episode three. We saw them all through episode four. We saw them all through episode five. And now that. For now, at least that era of the story is ending, so you got to wrap it up nicely, and you're now yeah. you're off on a, on a hero's journey, as they say in Gallivant, um, as they say in a lot of things. <laughs> yes, yes, as Joseph Campbell would say. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I do think this this was one of the stronger episodes. Like mm-hmm. we both ranked it in like the number two. I was yeah. like had it like tied in number two with episode three, and but like and that's sort of the point I'm getting at here is I think while I this one doesn't drag you're right like episode three has parts that do drag what i really did like about episode three and i talked about this two episodes ago like Mm -hmm. is that it 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 was just so well bookended and it kind Mm -hmm. of like even the parts that dragged kind of seemed to make sense by the time we got to and because it was part of the story of that episode was you know being lost and finding a home and yes and, and so you kind of did have to see those little episodes in between to feel yeah. the loss of that and feel rudderless yeah. until some kind of security was found. And that's why by the end of that episode, I was very on board with it. Yeah. Uh, this one certainly uh, 
it has less than episode three, but mm-hmm. still has some things that I'm like, well, that's kind of superfluous. Did we need that? Did that need to be as long as it was? Yeah. And the big one for me, I, in case you couldn't tell, is the Lilyvix. Like, they're, they're I interesting. still hate those Lilyvix. <laughs> I don't even hate them. They're interesting characters, but like, I Why are can't. They there? Why are they here? I, and maybe in the book they serve more of a function, but and uh, we're kind of I, I hope to God that they will do something big at the end that'll justify all of this stage time they've gotten. Because if they don't, because like as far as I can tell, there isn't like a meaningful thematic foiling between like these characters. It's not no. like oh, Mister Lily Vick is. Uh, what Nicholas would be if he cared only about money and not his friends, or like, mm-hmm. I like I don't see like, yeah, you know, I, and I, I'm all for characters that don't necessarily have big plot functions that they have yeah. symbolic or thematic functions, but yeah. I don't know what this guy is doing for the story other than just yes. kind of being a kind of like you know laughing stock kind of yeah. fellow who you know just has a lot of money, marries an actress like uh, and. Yeah, you know, get, yeah. gets very jealous. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to make of him. And I think, again, this is the third episode in the row where he takes up more stage time <laughs> than he's owed. And he's in this one. He wasn't even in that much, but like still like, yeah, uh, he was in it for like, I would say maybe all of like five minutes or so. Probably like, total. Time put, put together like he shows up. He has the fight at the end. Like he basically is only in the end chunk. Well, yeah, he shows up. Or no, yeah, you're right. He does show up at the end. He's mentioned in the first chunk about yes, how yeah. he's back from his honeymoon. But yes, yeah, we don't. But yeah, like that. I'm yet to seeing a, I've yet to see a payoff to all of this, and like I don't know, you know. Just watch where it gets the end, and, and it's Mister Lily Vic that saves the day. And like, if it does, I will recant all of these statements. Although I think maybe seeds of that importance could have been planted yeah. sooner, because yeah. it feels like he should be important. But based on everything we've seen so far it doesn't feel like he's going to be. Yeah. And I think that's a problem in adaptation, yeah. in the episodic nature of this and the serialized yeah. kind of like, yeah, the faithfulness of the book may be undermining the adaptation. Yeah. Cause in the book, obviously you have a lot of time to flesh out characters. It's just like in Harry Potter with like, um, little Bagman and Harry Potter. Know Fire. Is, but okay. <laughs> he's only in the book, but basically he's there to MC the, the, the tri-wizard tournament. And okay. he's also doing side bets that he's not paying back. Uh, with Fred and George, but like in the book, you have time to flesh that guy out and have him. Sure. Either it's kind of this bo- boisterous, past his prime sportsman, but in the movie, you can just chop that character and do it. So maybe Mr. Lilyvick will become kind of like what should have happened with Lido Bagman, where great in the book, a great kind of subplot that he's just kind of weaving through and keeps running into yeah. Nicholas, but maybe he could just go away and after the party of Mr. Nog, we don't need to see him again. Yeah, well, we well that's the thing. If we're not going to see him again, there's no point in even introducing him. Like mm-hmm. that, like you could have. That's the thing. When we were in episode three, when we were watching that salon mm-hmm. party scene, and he they spent so much time introducing him, and then we left him shortly after. I'm like, yeah. If if this character doesn't come back, I'm going to be pissed. Like, what was the <laughs> point of all of that? And then he it did was just come to back. set up Mr. Nog saving the baby. Well, no, it was Nicholas saving the baby. Oh, sorry. Yes, Nicholas <laughs> saves the baby. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah, so but then so well, then he kept coming back. I was like, okay, I shouldn't be pissed that they introduced him <laughs> in such detail for nothing. But I'm still not. None of the reintroductions of him are paying off his presence. Yeah. So I, I'm just like, 
if this character doesn't eventually become important, mm-hmm. something's fundamentally wrong with the dramaturgy of this piece. And <laughs> even if he does become important later, I think the seeds of that need to be planted. Yeah. Uh, but to sort of just kind of conclude my thoughts on this standalone episode. Yes. Uh, while I do like the bookendedness of Start with Nicholas, mostly Kate, uh, and, yeah. and with Nicholas, it didn't have that same thematic punch that I thought episode three's yeah. bookendedness had because that, um, like, mm-hmm. it's this was kind of more like breezy plot oriented, yes. and, and it works. Like, because yeah, we yeah. see everything that happens with Kate, and now okay, now we see how that affects Nicholas, and hopefully yeah. our two plot lines are on a convergence yeah. course. Yeah, but I. I don't feel like where we started with Nicholas and like, it, it, I guess it is the undoing of the plot of episode three. If that yeah. one begins with being lost on the road and ends with yeah. finding a home with the company, this is beginning with having a home in the company and yeah. going back to being lost, but it doesn't really feel like a loss mm-hmm. because he's going back to his family. <laughs> and so it doesn't quite have that same like oomph yeah. beyond just the plot mechanics of okay, our, plot lines are on their way to an intersection yes yeah, so we have so, to get him out of the crumbles to actually get nicholas back into plot driven story not just he's chilling with the crumbles and the acting troupe having a good mini adventure so like i think if we want to compare just if we'll do one more musical check-in i guess yes like to be the crumbles especially if this is the last we're going to see of them or even if we see them later but like this whole three episode crumble <laughs> plot to me, that's Simba hanging out with Timon and Pumbaa in their oasis. Ah, like, yes. And, yes. and like, obviously, Lion King postdates this, so that's not like a direct inspiration here. Yeah. Uh, certainly the film and then the Julie Taymor musical does as yeah. well. But like, um, but yeah, like this is just like a Hakuna Matata running away from yeah. their problems. And now he has yes. to return to his family. But, he, must, he must go up against his evil uncle, Ralph. I mean, Scar. I mean, Ralph. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Hey, look, there's actually a lot of Lion King and Hamlet <laughs> stuff going on in here. Um, but yeah. yeah, I, I, to me, it felt like if that's all it's going to serve, yeah. it didn't seem like enough enough of that, you know, yeah. you're running away from your problems and now you have to return. There's no, yeah. you know, Nicholas Nickleby Sr. in the clouds <laughs> telling him, the, you know, Ghost Papa, what you must yes. do. Like, uh, Remember no who you are. There's no Rafiki hitting him in the head and giving, <laughs> teaching him a lesson about past trauma. Like, <laughs> no, but, 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 but I mean, there is a Simba correlation of Simba throwing a Rafiki stick away and just like how. Okay, that's Nicholas not breaks. a thematic correlation. That <laughs> is know. cosmetic at I best. Know. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, anyway, that, that's my thought on this episode. It was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Certainly didn't drag, but, yeah. you know, didn't seem to maybe have the same heart. The heart of this episode is yeah. Kate and all of her stuff as yes. well found out and like yeah heartbreaking I am, glad, I am glad that we had a good like kind of mm-hmm. focus on kate episode and i like yeah. that we're starting the second play with that that she mm-hmm. is kind of going to it, it is yeah. affirming i think that she will be more central moving forward she is mm-hmm. she is just from the basic plot i remember of this book that kate will have an important role to play as the story progresses so cool fun well, time let's looking forward to seeing that I know. Continue you into episode yes. six next time. Exactly. Episode six. Until then, everybody, we will see you next week as our journey continues with Nicholas heading back to London to go help his family against his evil uncle Ralph. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll Life's see you then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All bye, right. everyone. Bye.